What is HyFlex and how does this modality work? Wait, first off, what is course design? And how do we design classes that encourage intrinsic engagement? How do you increase flexibility and honor student agency? Welcome to a Safe Topics mini-series where Sean and Curry talk about why we teach and how we teach. Okay, so we are at the end of July. It is July 28th when we're recording this. Uh, we both just wrapped up our summer session, so woo good job for us. Yes. Grades, I turned mine in today. You're just after this, I think? Yes. Woohoo. Okay, and so we're also looking at the fall. Um, Sean's high flex course, simulcasted, asynchronous, hybrid, awesome. Mine <laughs> is two days a week in a classroom on campus, but translating from an asynchronous class. So, where are you in the planning process right now, Sean? Thinking of content, and by content, we're talking about lectures and and delivering instruction through lectures or delivering instruction maybe via textbook or other media sources maybe included in that is also stuff students are building so and like week by week unit by unit just where are you at thinking of the content for you for topics etc you know one of the foundational concepts and part of our learning objectives for social 101 is uh understanding and being able to apply the sociological imagination and with that, it just gives me endless opportunities to make the content relevant to their everyday lived experiences. And part of their everyday lived experiences is the history we are all making collectively, right? Individually, it's hard to think of ourselves in a historical sense, but collectively, we're obviously at a time that's unprecedented. That's always the case, but especially the pandemic, maybe yeah. uh, facing some more challenges with that. Everybody knows where we're at. And everybody can see clearly now how significant that is at, at the historical level. Yeah. So with that, I'm going to use the high flex pilot, this first time doing this at Miracosta as kind of a, a, a historical marker, like, okay, you're part of something that's bigger than yourself. Cool. It, it, the necessity for it comes out of the circumstances we faced as a, as a globe the past couple of years. And so this is really important and significant. And this gives me, you know, the opportunity to really sell and try to get the buy-in, not just for the content, but for the experience. Totally. And so that's where I'm starting. And, and every unit that we go through can explore through that lens. When we talk about education, obviously, how much has education changed? Nobody was doing what we're doing 25, 30 years ago, right? Yeah. So how can we talk about that? You know, how does the flexibility really adapt to our modern economy and our families and the other institutions that we belong to and the other, you know, responsibilities that we have? And what, why did this emerge, right? Why did online yeah. learning emerge? Yeah. And I feel like if I take it from that, then what they're actually doing is directly, um, you know, all of the content is applicable to what we're all experiencing both individually and together in this high flex class. Yeah, that really ratchets up the relevance of these concepts, right? So the contents of the class, those sociological imagination. And and so uh, so let me show you just really quickly, like a core concept in, in a English 100 college level transfer course. I would, I, so reading is where I start critical mm -hmm. reading, right? It's practically, it's, it's, it's a skill we need to talk about because reading is the basis for everything in that class. You read something, we discuss it. You read something, you reference it in an essay. 
you read your own work with a lens and an eye for how do you revise it for a certain audience. Reading is, is core, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so, so we start with that as well. And I, like you, I want to begin with what students are bringing to the class. So I start with an assumption of we all read all the time. And when I say read, I don't just mean eyeball scanning words on a screen or a page. I include in read playing games, listening to podcasts, watching movies, right? So consuming content. So the first question is, what do we do when that's happening? And what are the different things that we consume that, that uh, we've built different habits around, right? Mm -hmm. And so similarly, I want to make it hyper relevant, right? And really inclusive, like all your experiences have value. All of them have skills we can share with each other. And as we identify those tools for reading, we can then sort of move forward equipped into these other things we're going to do. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it does start with the commonality, right? Like it's not just relevance, but it's also what we all have in common. There yeah. are plenty of differences and, sure. and not, I wouldn't say, you know, I would never make a statement like all our students come to us the same way, or they yeah. all start in the same spot when they begin our class. However, they all read with your broad definition of reading. Yes. They all listen to things. They all play video games. They watch movies. They yeah. watch shows. They, they look up things on the internet that they're interested in. Right. Um, questions that they have. There's reading social media posts, gifts, yes. memes. All of this is reading, right? It's all consumption of content. cultural content, and messages. Content, content. Yes. 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 Right? And in the same way that like um, with the sociological imagination and the way that I'm approaching this high flex experience, we all come to it differently. That is going to be, we're going to flesh that out. Yeah. However, we are all here, at least in the way that we're all in the same place that this is the first time this is being done at this institution. This is the first time I'm teaching it this way. This is the first time that we're all experiencing this in this way. Yeah. And, and, and let's start there with that commonality. And then from there, we can get into why it's a lot more complicated than that. Yeah. Well, what I really like about that approach too, Sean, is you get to talk about sociology at the same time you get to talk about just teaching and learning and the choices we make in that space, right? So you've, yes. you've overlapped those two so that you can always talk about, there's always space to talk about both, right? And so students are afforded those opportunities to deepen their understanding about sociology, but also reflect on their own learning processes and the choices they're making, right? Um, and that gets to the idea of student generated content and student generated experiences. You know, I, I'm not just giving them a peek to the back scene, right? Or the backstage where, where yeah. things are created and all those things are there. And then what you see is what I, I choose to put out in front of you. Yeah. you know, I'm pulling the curtain back and I'm like, we kind of got to decide together how we're going to yeah. build this thing, what the set's going to look like what the script is, you know, I have a plan, right? That goes back to that, like having confidence and feeling competent thing. Yes. But the, the, since everything is brand new and we're all experiencing not just this new world together, but this new modality together, I think it would, I would be remiss if I didn't at least give some, you know, give more of that process to the group as opposed yeah. to just 
me making those decisions because what does it mean to be seasoned right yeah. to be a seasoned instructor often means that it's like they never see the backstage they never see what's going on behind the scenes like it just comes out perfectly and you don't even wonder about what's going on back there because it's already running um like clockwork right yeah and i'm kind of wanting to get away from that in showing that no this is new for me too and and maybe i'm seasoned in some ways but it's certainly not in the way of delivering this class in this way yeah so when you think of that uh and you think of this hybrid course you're building how do you deliver that how do you maintain that transparency while you're delivering instruction um how are you sending students to a textbook how does that link to a discussion what spaces is that happening in? so how are you organizing and delivering this content where, where what are you thinking about so there are elements of a, of a flipped classroom to what i already do and i plan on preserving those yeah. um you know the reading of the textbook guided note taking meaning like here are the bullet points from these chapters in the textbook yep. you know with direct links to those areas yep. of like this is what you need to know to get started yep. and once you have a understanding of that we'll go over that together in the form of a quiz and then we will take those same concepts and apply them to whatever we're doing. Now that's when the student generated content comes because once they have a grasp of these concepts and how to use them, let's see if they can create something that then becomes part of the class um, rather than me saying, create something that just goes directly to me and the feedback goes directly to you. Yes, exactly. Do you want yeah. me to get more specific than that? Because I still think that that was still like an explanation of something. Oh, please do, please do. I'm just celebrating that move that we're doing individual work, but let's share it in public spaces rather than these private spaces with just the instructor. Right. And it may be the maybe what if it's an infographic about the uh, racial demographic breakdown of who's going back to campus and who's not. Yeah. Interesting. With some hypotheses and some, you know, potential explanations of why that is yeah. right. I, I recently looked at some data that was saying, you know, black African-American students are less likely than other groups to say that they're going to get vaccinated in order to come back to campus. Right. Yeah. And to me, you know, it, it was kind of like I went directly to, well, that makes sense. You know, when you think of the history of black African-Americans and um, our medical system and and the injustices and atrocities that have happened to their bodies and and the not the real not conspiracy theory is in its fake but the real conspiracy and conspiring against them and their bodies that kind of makes sense to me that they don't trust a, a you know a wide net of vaccination yeah um so it's things like that can we explore things like that that are super relevant that connect us and that also use our modality to to um its potential because when you're creating an infographic like that, that's something that you can accomplish asynchronously and work on. You yep. can work on together in class. Yep. You can work on together in Zoom. Mm -hmm. So it, it it does give them that choice and it does give that equivalency, but then it also gives that relevancy and, and um, talking about things that are current and important now. Yeah, yeah, totally. So in my, so again, so I'm thinking of this, this kind of online asynchronous class. And one thing that I found really important about that mode of instruction and content delivery 
is, is organizing in a way that's predictable. I think asynchronous students really benefit from, I'm not surprised every week by a new thing, right? It's this sort of, right? And so I've kind of taken the whole class and I've distilled it down week by week into four activities that we do. So there's this kind of ambiguous topics thing we do where I don't like the word lecture because that's not really what it is. It's more just sort of setting the stage. So maybe it's a video, maybe it's something else like a textbook article we read. The next thing, so, but it sets the stage for that week. The next thing is reading. So uh, it's a skill. That's what I start with conceptually but, and, and, and procedurally. But, but every week throughout the semester, we read something, an article, maybe an instruction about writing techniques. So topic, reading. The next thing is discussion. At which we talk about those things. And then the last thing is a draft. So we try to take all those three things and put it into some kind of writing, right? Mm -hmm. So the delivery of that content uh, in a high flex class, I'm, I'm with you. Like there's some flipped, that asynchronous stuff really lends itself well to a flipped model. So I'm hoping to deliver a lot of that before we meet in a classroom I'm thinking of some kind of, I don't want to talk about assessment because we're going to get to assessments in a later episode, but some kind of, you know, journal or quiz or something where, okay, you've done the thing and you've produced something in response to it, right? When you show up. So, and then, then we can engage in that discussion part. By the end of the week, I want to connect all the dots and have students feel confident about how to put that into a draft. But so, and, and I don't know how, so we're getting close to the end of this episode. So we'll, we'll kind of touch on this for a second. Do you agree with that kind of predictability? Do you worry about how that can become a rut? Do you, do you have ideas about how to make it more of a, a refreshed routine? What, what do you think about that? Um, no, I think the pr predictability and that kind of structure is very helpful for most students. Yeah. Um, I think at the point it becomes boring, there's just, you know, you can inject some life into some of those. You yeah. could disrupt it a bit, yeah. you know, without it being so disruptive that they're like, wait, I thought we were always doing it like this. And now this doesn't make any sense to me. Totally. But I think if it's intentional and it's like, you know, you discuss as a class, like I feel the energy is getting low after the third time we've done this. Yeah. So maybe we try something a little bit differently here. And I think the way that you really um, avoid the rut, the routine turning into a rut is um, by re-emphasizing and implementing the idea that there's this wide definition that you have for reading, right? We talked yeah. about it. It's yeah. all of these different ways. And it's not just reading text on a screen or on a page. What about your definition for writing? Is that just as wide? Yeah. Is, is the expression of the demonstration of learning, those type of things, is that wide as well? Is that varied as well? Because if it is, then it's going to be really hard to get to the point where it's boring or a rut because there's always new ways of consuming. And then there's always new ways of expressing yeah. um, what, what you're, what you're getting out of any content. So what, I guess what I'm going to ask you here is what's your, what's, is your definition for writing as wide? No, of course your not. definition for reading. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that's, that's a great place to start with students for thinking about writing. You know, we all create content. That's what our culture does. We all can't help it. Right. We, we produce all the time. And so now it's just a matter of reflecting on, well, why do I structure some content the way I do? And for which group of people who, who will see it, 
uh, is another way to kind of make that really relevant to start where students are like they already are. It's also a way, as you say, to really refresh that routine, right? So if uh, creating an infographic is just as valuable as writing a paragraph or recording yourself doing something. Yeah. And again, I don't want to get too much into activities because we'll talk about those in the next episode. But like, you know, um, starting with a visualization of ideas sometimes helps students to get past writer's block rather than starting with a free write or an outline or whatever it is. Right. So pictures and a PowerPoint that then you have to talk to me about is a first draft for some students. Right. So, um, yeah. And then there's all kinds of cool ways to make essays multimodal, which, yeah, we can, we can get to later. Um, so, so with an essay, have you essay. ever had the prompt out there structure? You've outlined all the formatting, whatever. Yeah. And you got something that was so off of all of that. Right. I, I shouldn't say have you, or I should say when you did, because I know this has happened. It, it, yes. it has to have. Yeah. And it was just so off the wall. Structure wasn't there. Yeah. It probably didn't even address the prompt, really. Right. You were like, they get it. Yeah. This is this is beautiful. And it's maybe better yeah. than what I expected from them. Yes. Because if they did it the way I told them to do it, I would not have had the opportunity to experience this, to read this, yep. to get these thoughts to me. Yep. They wouldn't have reached me if they followed the if they if they were coloring inside the lines. Yes. So yes, I have, in fact, just this summer, and it's amazing. And mm -hmm. what I do with that, and I, and I think it's helpful to separate things the way we have in, in past episodes. So in that moment, it's, it's a kind of accommodation, right? And I don't mean that in a sort of, I'm doing the student a favor way, sure. more it's accommodation for me. It's, I fucked up. I, I made this too narrow. This prompt can be more open to different modes of responding or different ways of thinking about whatever it is. So, so in that moment, it's, okay, you didn't do what the prompt was said, but you're getting an A, like this is badass. And then going forward, it's additive. It's, I've learned something about the language in this prompt, the requirements of this prompt that are not, not allowing learner choice to the degree that I want to see it honored and valued and have space in this class. And so what can I change about this to make it more flexible, right? Yeah. And that is one of my hopes for this high flex experience that I do not follow the prompt exactly. I do not follow the structure and what high flex is supposed to be exactly. Yeah. But there's maybe something that's a little off the wall, but we do come to a place where we're like, that was a worthy and worthwhile learning experience. And, and maybe it looks weird and maybe it looks different, but it was ours. Yes. And that's what I hope for. Yeah. Awesome. And so right now we are talking about this in July, dreaming big and hoping hopes. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. We're going to record another episode, not next, but in the future, in the like as the semester started. So like where we can talk about content, we are delivering students that are interacting with it, how things are going. So this is the ideal episode. And then in the future will be a real <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to. Yeah. And then I'll look back at these and go, I knew nothing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> On that note, glad you all listened. <laughs> That's right. Listen yeah. to these first and then don't go back and ever listen to them again. No, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they thought they were very pie in the sky. No, uh, that's not the way that worked out. Exactly. <laughs>
This Safe Topics miniseries is produced and edited by Kelly Barnett, who also created the theme music. James Garcia handles our social media and outreach. Follow us on Instagram at safetopics underscore podcasts. Please rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. 